Welcome to a subpar edition of ARG Presents. I'm your middling to mediocre host, Amigo Aaron, joined by a man that gets one to one and a half stars out of five. I give you the Brent. I want to know when we're not the remedial two out of ten show. Well, I see less said about that, the better the Brent. But it is fitting this week because last week we spun the wheel. We made the sort of low-end deal, Brent. And this week we're going to be playing games that are, bam, reviewed at two out of ten or less. Two out of ten, Brent, that's 20%. Yeah. These are games that are not good. They're not they're not well received games. And then we added on sort of the stipulation that we're gonna try to defend these dogs uh, right up to the bitter end, just to make it a little more exciting for ourselves. How did your hunt for a a, a game that you could hang your hat on at two out of ten go? Well, here's the problem. I knew exactly what two out of ten games I would like to have played. Yeah. Because I was gonna ET it, right? ET easy. Everyone hates E.T., super easy to defend because it's a good game if you read the manual. Yeah. So that's that's where I was going to go. And it got voted down by, by the Discord. So I thought, okay, Pit Fighter. I'll throw Pit Fighter in there. I know you love Pit Fighter for whatever reason. So I was going to... I, I don't love it. I, let's, I don't love it. I like the arcade version. Is I thought it was interesting and wacky, but I wouldn't say I love it. Let's uh-huh. go there. Uh-huh. So... Pit Fighter, horrible game, but also super easy to defend. Yeah. But then the game I chose, I actually hate. So defending, <laughs> oh, it's a crap game. There's yeah. no worry about that. But actually defending it is going to be a challenge. Well, I, I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I went through a, uh, a a whole host of choices. For whatever reason, I was drawn to Saturn this week. Because there are a couple games on the Saturn that I think are amongst uh, the worst games, uh, including the one. My first choice was going to be a game called Pinball Graffiti, which is a game myself and Boat stumbled upon uh, during our Saturn uh, play sessions years and years ago, where you play a down and out basketball player who's trying to gamble his way to glory uh, on the on one on one basketball games and pinball. It's a very <laughs> odd game, but I'll save that one for another time. Uh, another one on there was that Golden Axe fighting game, another game that I found absolutely reprehensible. Uh, but uh, I went ahead yeah, and decided... Oh, yeah, I mean, it literally... It's like, what were they thinking when they did that? There's plenty of games where they were like, you know, fighting games are hot. Let's take our non-fighting property and actually just turn it into a fighting game. Like, that's one that comes to the top of my head with the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles did it. Star Wars did it. A lot of people did it. And, they, and uh, inevitably, they were crap. Because newsflash, you can't just put a bunch of guys in the game and have them beat each other up and make it a good game. There's balancing and stuff. Yeah. They put stuff into that. They don't just put guys out there. So those were two uh, games that I considered. And ultimately, before I stumbled onto the game and I ended up picking, and trust me, it was this game was uh, came across fully by research. I really had to go and get in deep uh, when it comes <laughs> to this. Now, on to the matter at hand here. Two out of ten games. Over the years, a lot of games have gotten really low reviews, and then sometimes the, the public has mellowed on them. We're looking at one now if you watch the video, the original Pac-Man for the Atari 2600, uh, where it got panned when it was released. But ultimately, I don't think it's a... I would not consider it a 2 out of 10 game, for example. Would you? Do you think the Pac-Man for the 2600 would be a 2 out of 10 game, or E.T.? Do 
Do you think these games are so bad that they are 20% games? Well, for me, a game to get a one or a two, they have to be actual dysfunction. Yeah. They have to have dysfunctioning parts, um, which that's tough. Uh, that one game that you were that we had to review for the uh, CD thirty two, where it actually physically hurt me, microchasm. Yeah, that that is an easy one or two out of ten game. No, no, oh, yeah. I disagree with you on that. I think Go if ahead. a game has is functional and, and it's tough to get that low of a rating if they're functional. When I think games that are, I think games that make me hurt, like to look at. Or to play. I also think about games that, like you said, actually don't work right. Uh, when I think bad, bad games, uh, games like Top Banana come to mind. Not to beat Dead Horse, but that game physically hurt you to look at and listen to. Which makes <laughs> one wonder, why would they do that for something they're trying to sell for your enjoyment? It's almost like they don't understand the concept of selling games. Like They don't fully grasp what that means to make them appealing to you. So that's one that comes up to that comes to my mind instantly. It also can mean uh, really bad ports is another thing that'll happen that makes you want to jump off a cliff. And we've seen plenty of those over the years or attempting something that the system just quite handle. Like, you know, everyone tried to do a game like Afterburner uh, and that just couldn't pull it off. And so what you end up getting was a big uh, blocky disaster. Yeah. I also think of games that, like you said, weren't literally weren't quite done. They didn't work right. Like a, a game like a Battle Cruiser from back in the old DOS days. So there are plenty of things that'll get you into the realm of two out of ten. How about a game that everyone else hated, gave two out of ten, but you kinda liked? Yeah, when it comes to mind. Super Pitfall. You I was the going arcade to the, version? No, NES. Oh, okay. NES Why? Why, Why that I, one? They they make that for the that's also up for the Coco, and I hated that game. I I was actually going to pick that because I thought it'd be an easy defend, but I yeah. didn't see anyone there. I saw a couple people put it on the worst games of all time list. Yeah, uh, but I don't know. I don't see it. I, I, yeah. I'm okay with it. I know why people hate it. It's because it has uh, the the actual puzzle elements, finding the hidden blocks and crap is kind of stupid. Um, but I didn't mind it. I thought it was a fun platformer. I've played, I've played worse, but it still, I wouldn't call it fun. That's probably two out of ten. Eh, you never know. It wasn't too hard to find bad games, though. <clears throat> but like I said, to find one that fit this category was difficult. I'll go ahead and lead the dance uh, this week, Brent, since I'm, I'm not confident in my ability to defend this game, but I'm gonna give it a shot. So I looked all over, like I said, and finally, what I came upon. And by the way, I was looked, I looked for games that truly. We're giving a 2 out of 10 rating. If these aren't like 4 out of 10, or five, this sucker was 2 out of 10, okay? so Because I know how you are. I didn't want any controversy. I didn't want you calling me out, hey, this game got a 3.5. I don't want that. This is a straight-up 2 out of 10. I got to refuse to prove it. The game I chose is an arcade port, and the game is called Gorilla War. <laughs> Not that kind of gorilla. Yeah. This is a, this is a, a soldier-type gorilla. That's my gorilla voice. What you think? No? Didn't like that? So, Guerrilla War, Brent, was an arcade game before it got ported. Now, I'm not looking at the arcade game. That'd be for suckers. I'm yeah, looking and at it the, wouldn't fit the category. I know. I'm looking at the <laughs> C64 port. Uh, that's what I'm looking at. So, let's talk, but just a briefly, let's have a quick look at the arcade version so you can get the ambiance, so you can get the full effect of what I'm talking about. Uh, Guerrilla War, this is an SNK game. 
uh, the Brent. And this is from their a lot of games that had the old rotary controller. Man, do you remember? Did you play a lot of these rotary controller games? Absolutely. Yeah, these were good. I, the, I thought the rotary controller was real neat. And the rotary controller is a joystick to turn in a rotary way, and it clicks in, okay? And so what this allows you to do is turn your character in a segmented way. Like Degrees the video. of rotation. Yeah. Uh, you had some of these, just to name some of the uh, SNK ones, you had, uh, aside from Guerrilla War, which I'd say Guerrilla War is probably the least known of the, of the ones I remember. Probably. You had, you had Akari Warriors, Midnight Resistance, and Heavy Barrel. I worked at a pizza place for years, and Heavy Barrel was the game we had there. And so I've watched the intro to Heavy Barrel about four or uh, four million times. Yeah. That's the one where you assemble the huge gun. Yeah, and, yeah. Um, a Good real game. good game. So these could, rotary games are fun, and you can, they're not easy to emulate. I mean, you can play these at home, but you, without having the rotary controller, it's not really even anywhere near the same gameplay. Nah. So this was a uh, one to two player game. And th- this was sort of your tried and true gimmick. You're a guy. You're dr- you're rolling up to a bunch of other guys, uh, shooting shooting them, throwing grenades. The gimmick in this was you could get to this tank, sort of this comedic, like Shriners car slash clown car type tank, where your whole half of your body sticks out the top like a geek, which makes one wonder what's the point of being in a tank if that's the way you drive the tank. <laughs> I always thought that was funny uh, the way that works. And you go up and fight the bad guys. It's pretty standard fare. One of the wackier things about it, Brent, is that in the American version of this, it's just sort of some generic guys. In the Japanese version of Guerrilla War, you play as Fidel Castro and Che Guevara. You actually play as them. This is truly the Guerrilla War to win Cuba. From the dict- that makes from the, no sense. From the, bati- <laughs> from the Batista dictatorship of the 1950s. So this is, you're literally Guerrilla this is the original guerrilla war. So when this came to the U.S., they were like, eh, maybe we ought to tweak that. Uh, we don't necessarily want Fidel Castro in the game that were released in the 80s. That might not get over here in the <laughs> States. <laughs> but, I mean, if you think about it, Shake Fair and Fidel Castro in the game, it's called guerrilla war. It does make sense. It gives you some uh, uh, structures to what's going on. So I at least gave it a shot. Come on, I gave it a shot. What the heck? So... This game was, a, uh, I would say, a marginal success. I mean, I had heard of it. I had played it in the arcade. I saw all the other games we talked about, in you know, Midnight Resistance, Heavy Barrel, and Akari Warriors. I saw them way more than this Absolutely. one. And there may be others. These are the four that I chose to focus on. Uh, so this thing got ported, as one would expect, because, hey, that's what, that's what people did. And so uh, this got released... For a whole host of machines, including the Amstrad, CPC, uh, the NES had a, had a port of this. Uh, uh, there was a the old PC booter disc uh, got a port. And, of course, a lot of modern systems got it through various collections. And the Spectrum got it. I want to point out the Spectrum version in particular. We're going to get to that in a minute. Well, the C64 got it as well. Let's oh, they got about, it all right. Let's, let's talk about the C64 version. It came out in 89. Uh, it was uh, produced by Sentient Software. They actually, I learned something today. I, I, I was pleasantly surprised when I was a researcher yesterday, whatever it was. These guys did hate, you'll recall, hate, H period, A period, T period, E period. Me and Boat, I think it was. Oh, yeah. No, yeah. yeah. And, then, and then this is the one that gets me. You know, I'm a big fan of the young ones. 
Brent. You know that. The right. Young Ones is a uh, British TV show from the early 80s. Uh, it's a story about four college students that share, uh, share a, a flat. It's high comedy of that era. It was real groundbreakingly stupid. Abe Evanson is the guy that played Vivian in the show, and he released a book. And the book was, and I've got to get a little blue here, but it's the name of the book. The book was called How to Be a Complete Bastard. Okay? Now, I love this book. We actually had a copy of this book at my buddy's house. Okay? I don't know where it came from. It's because it was from the UK. There's a game based on that book, and it's produced by these people. I learned that this week. It makes me so happy. So somewhere in the future, I'm absolutely going to have a look at that game in some capacity. This was developed by uh, Imagine. Uh, they were also behind the production of this game. If you're familiar with these guys, you will remember that they're famous for having uh, a bunch of people go out and spend money on these sports cars and crap, and then they flamed out. Ultimately, all of them lost everything because they all went. But as they also sport, they also founded a racing team. That <laughs> like they went bonkers. So what you got here? with Guerrilla War on the C-64, was poorly done port. Uh, I don't know exactly what they where they brought this thing from. It could have been... Uh, I, I have read that they brought it over from the ZX Spectrum. It's hard to say. But whatever they did, it does not look a whole lot like the arcade. Of course, the arcade was a vertical, uh, up-and-down shooter. This is... They've taken full screen. It runs slow as heck. And they, what they've done with the graphics on this can only be described as sort of like they're very granular. Is that was that to be a good way to put it, Brent? Or I mean, they're very grainy looking sprites. Like they did not go into the higher res modes here on the C sixty four. That's for darn sure. And so what you get is a real low end look to the thing. On top of that, there are various parts of the game that are pretty important. One of the things you do in Guerrilla War is rescue hostages. Now, in the arcade version, the hostages are tied to stakes. They don't move like this, and they just sort of wiggle a little bit. In this game, when you come ac across the hostages, they look like they're doing a very stupid dance. That's all I can describe their actions as. They're just literally bebopping around like this. So I'm assuming in this one, the bad guys couldn't afford a stake to put them down with, so they just sort of tied their feet together. Or just maybe they were just bored and wanted to watch these guys dance out here. Another thing, what's the big draw of this game, Brent? You can take your guy and get in a tank, right? Not, no, okay. you can't do that on this version. There's no getting in the tank. You can watch the tanks go by. That's it. It's plodding as heck. In the arcade, you've got various scenarios where you go across these bridges, into these village, lush greenery, greens and blues, big bodies of water. In this version, you've got yellow. I mean, lots of yellow and brown. It's ugly as heck when you look at it. The pits in this are supposed to be trenches. They just look like dashes on the screen. They're just horrible-looking graphics. The explosions are ugly. The bad guys in this are dumb. They just shoot a lot. They don't move, which makes me wonder if they just basically put the AI in these things just to basically fire on a set scale when you got nearby. They don't really even necessarily shoot at you. I wouldn't say it's a, a an easy game, but you can get... I got pretty far in it, and that was not wanting to play it and not liking what I was seeing. First of all, I don't think the graphics are that bad. Really? The graphics are not the problem with this game. And although you haven't mentioned it, and also, like, when you go... The trenches you're talking about, when you go over... Oh, you know, 
get into a trench. Your guy actually goes in halfway into well, the trench. Sorta, yeah. So the graphics are not the problem with this game. The you sound. Don't, you in don't this think the game, graphics are bad in this? No. Mm-mm. Nope. I, I'm not saying they're good. Okay. I'm not saying like yeah. This is like top tier C64 graphics. I'm saying I know what everything is. I know people look like people. Tanks look like tanks. Sandbags look enough like sandbags that I know what they are. Uh, graphics are not the problem with this game. Okay. So, okay. Okay. And this is one of those games in the true Amiga tradition where you get to choose between gra- uh, sound effects or music. Now, yeah. I never chose sound effects. The sound effects in this aren't great. The music in this is actually pretty good. And this is where I was going to hang my hat. If this game has one strong point, I think it's the tunes. You disagree? No. The music and sound effects in this game are tremendous. What? Tremendous? I'm not sure I'd go that. I'm not going to hang out in a limb like that. No, I I think think they're they're pretty good. They're the highlight of the game, without a doubt. I I mostly played sound effects, which the gunshots and the explosions are not earth-shattering by any means. Yeah. But they, they... at least sound like, you know, gunshots and explosions, kind of. They distinguish themselves. The, you know, they have that that up and down, like, whistle sound whenever you throw a grenade to show the, the grenades going up and then down. Yeah, I, the sound of this game is okay. It's okay. Yeah. I think, first of all, I really... Listen, I appreciate you putting the game over. You're doing a better job than I did. Oh, don't I worry. The pain's coming. If you look at the arcade version of this game, like I said, it's it's a vertical game by stretching this thing out i don't think they did it any favors if you look at the uh at the zx spectrum version for example keeping in mind the zx spectrum less colors less to work with but it's way way better looking like they look so much better than this version of what they did was they they made it a vertical game you know that's what that's what made it work better because this game, one of its biggest flaws is, in gameplay-wise, is that since they chose to make this a horizontal game, you don't things come on the screen in a, in a much quicker. They come at you with that, and you don't have the ability to react. So right away when you're playing this, like one of the first things you do is walk up this path, and these three soldiers come lumbering down. You know what I'm saying? And you can't even see them. So what I learned to do in this game was just shoot perpetually. At nothing, and just hope to God I shot whatever was appearing on the screen that ca- when it came down. Now, what was your uh, take on the gameplay, the Brent? This is where the game earns its two out of ten <laughs> reputation yeah. and cannot be saved. Uh, I, you have not saved this game at all. Well, I don't. I, I know it doesn't need to be saved. It's not good. No, that was the whole <laughs> I, point. It was defend your game i tried i tried (laughs) uh the game is unplayable for three different reasons reason number one you've kind of mentioned it took a vertical game and then smushed it to uh fit a three by four or four by three ratio which gives you no time to react uh things come on the screen and if you notice in the arcade version Bullets do not travel the full length of the screen. Right, they go a certain amount and then end. That's sort and of the reason that's a why staple that is, of the SNK games like that. That's well, sort of the what reason they do. why that is is it makes bullets dodgeable. It when you see a bullet, if you start pulling back, you can readjust and then, uh, you know, assess the situation and go from there. You cannot do that in this game because there's not enough real estate. The game does not scroll backwards nearly far enough occasionally yeah. you will get 
a small amount and then that's it. Yeah, I agree. Thing number two, uh, there are situations in the game where you will be killed by off-screen enemies. Either they are shooting or throwing grenades. Uh, completely unacceptable. You cannot yeah. retaliate nope. uh, because their shots... I mean, everyone's shots go the same distance, which appears to be infinite or nearly <clears throat> infinite. But the problem is the enemies know you're there. You don't know the enemies are there. So you can't do that in a game, okay? I but agree. all of that can be forgiven because you could theoretically memorize where everyone is and make it through this game. You wouldn't want to because the game's not fun. <laughs> no. But you can soft lock the game by moving up the screen in a position where you should have been to the left or right, un unbeknownst to you, because the the path you needed to take is not on the screen at the time. And you can't, yes. And you will actually soft lock the game. You are you are allowed to destroy barriers. Some barriers cannot be destroyed. Or if you run out of grenades and there's no enemy there to kill you, that's it. You're done. The yep. game soft locks. Yep. You cannot have that in the game. That is. That shows that this was not playtested. This was just produced and put into a box. Well said. And I will say that happened to me on several occasions where you just run out of real estate. You're yeah. like, ah, oh, crap. And you know when it happens. You know because you're like, well, I'm boned. <laughs> Time to start yeah. the game over. It's the worst. That's the problem with this game. I, first of all, I think the biggest flaw is, in fact, the draw distance on the bullets and the guns. You're right. You can get killed instantly. Like the second you come back out and by something you don't even see, and it's the worst. Yeah. Because I, I wonder if they took. I don't know what they did. I, it's almost like they were started on a vertical game and they decided to stretch it out to make it fill the screen. I don't know what if I don't know what their plan was on this. It was a monumental failure on this on all around. Plus, the one thing we didn't discuss, and this was the problem with all the home ports, was this is a rotary joystick game. And so when you take that out of the game, what you're left with is, uh, I mean, at the very best, you're going to have sort of a run-of-the-mill running gun well, because they, you've taken they allow away the best option. Yeah, what is that? I was wondering about that, too. Like, who's, how did they sell a joystick for this? I couldn't find any, anything that would that let you uh, have a rotary stick at home. I would assume that it just had keys that allow you to walk one way and then... Uh, face another. I did not use that method. No. Uh, the game had way too many flaws to even explore that type of, of gameplay. However, something else that needs to be mentioned is you can't move and shoot or, or throw grenades or shoot at the exact same time. At least I wasn't able to. I did this method. The start and stop method to do that. Because you're right. You sort of have to shimmy up the screen to, to, to throw your stuff. This game, you can tell a lot of love went into making this. So much love that the uh, scheduled Amiga and ST ports uh, were canceled. So I'd say that once they got to the C64, like, all right, that's right, we're done with this game. We, we destroyed this sucker. I give this uh, the enthusiastic thumbs down. However, I'm going to ask you this, Britt. Is this a game that is 2 out of 10 or less? No, it's it's this is... The game is unplayable. Uh, I would say that this this is a a one out of ten game. Oh, because I mean the game is actually physically unplayable. Yeah, unless uh, you, you get lucky, or I guess if you memorized it completely, you could probably get through it. I'm sure someone did that, but it wasn't going to be me. 
I looked around to see what the what the people scored this thing. So the people in Lemon score this a 2.8. Uh, so they were slightly above our uh, thoughts on it. CNVG scored a 17%. Commodore Force, 19%. Commodore User, 21%. Zap, 19%. ASM gave it 18%. Power Play gave this 17 out of 100. Total score, Brent, when you average all those out, 1.9 out of 10. Horrible. Horrible game. We did get some action on the Discord on this thing. Let's start off with Pajaco. Uh, he writes, War, huh? What is it good for? Absolutely nothing. Which is the score this game deserves. I liked how he mixed that in there. It is brutal from getting trampled by soldiers before you barely started to off-screen enemies that can kill you before you see them. Sounds familiar. Crunchy scrolling, poor collision detection, and messy graphics make this a bargain bin filler. Also, no drivable tanks. That's one of the great things about this, the Akari, and it is sadly missing. Honestly, I tried to ignore this game's faults, but it just kept kicking my keister. At some point, I switched on Unlimited Lives and kicked this game's behind, so I never have to play it again. The music, however, is awesome, and it deserves to be the better game 2 out of 10. Update, I switched on Infinite Lives and ended up getting stuck. Yep, that I did have that without the Infinite Lives. I think I pretty much agree with everything you said there. For he full said, disclosure, yeah. I did play this game with Unlimited Lives. I did not. So there you go. I Then you didn't get anywhere. Jack Flack chimes in. Guerrilla War. You know what's? You know that annoying thing that happens in horror movies where the monster is just off screen and the hero can't see them, even though the monster is only a few feet away? This game is like that. Every time I move forward, three soldiers appear out of nowhere and kill me, even though I should have seen them coming. Good thing I'm armed with a pea shooter that fires about 10 bullets a minute. One thing that makes this game fun is getting shot in the face over and over by enemies who aren't even on the screen yet. One of the Commodore 64's best selling points was I had so many colors to choose from. Why did developers only use three of them? Whoever designed <laughs> these levels deserved to get caught in one of Rambo's booby traps. I would not be surprised if the graphics for Guerrilla Warfare were done by the actual Guerrilla. <laughs> I like that. The side of a bad game is not that you can't beat the first level, but that you don't want to. Making people play this game is a level of torture that violates the Geneva Convention. Not a rigging endorsement from Jack Flack, Brent. I will say that. I did look this up on eBay. You can get the disc and the manual just by themselves. No box. Nine bucks. Complete in box has sold recently for $20. So if, wow. you're, uh, if you want to get go down the road for Guerrilla War, I would give this a shot. Otherwise, I think the revolution has ended and the gorillas lost, Brent, on this one. Everybody uh, lost in this. Listen. And, and your defense of this game was horrible. I can't defend it. I picked it. I played it, but I couldn't defend it. I tried. God knows I tried. Let's see if you do better, Hot Shot. What did you bring to the table this week? I went with a game that I owned back in the day. I actually owned for the NES, Deadly Towers. Oh, man. Yeah. This was... Released in 1987 here in North America, 86 in Japan. The developers are Lanier and Tamtex. All right. Two developers I have never heard of. Lanier uh, Babylon 5 fame. Not really. And, and, and this is, this takes you through the life of Prince Meyer, who is getting ready to be crowned king. And is setting by a lakeside. And all of this ex is explained in text. 
scrolling white text black screen. It's the, uh, NES, it's the NES way. Yeah, no, it's not. No, remember, NES had uh, Ninja got in, first cut scene in a video game. He's sitting by this lake, and a spirit ap- arises from the lake named Khan. And Khan says, listen, evil is about ready to overrun your kingdom from this wizard named Rubus, the devil of darkness. You've got to stop him by gathering up these bells uh, that he's using to summon these demons and throw them into the holy fire so you can have the power to kill them. You know, go and actually hunt them down after them. So that is your task. Pretty generic task, but really not the worst thing in the world. Prince Meyer is this weirdly shaped warrior. On the box, it has this picture of this incredible muscular man uh, holding his sword shield to his back, huge legs and and fully armored in plate mail. But in game, you're this little blue guy that has horns on his helmet and he doesn't stab things. He throws a sword. He looks like Uh, a geek, by the way. He, he looks he, like a dork, like a kid well, in a suit. He, he's not the he's not the most. Uh, he doesn't look like the box. No, no, he's not the most relatable character, or maybe he is a relatable. Who's character. the guy? Just, who's the guy that's from Mars on the Bugs Bunny shows? Remember that guy? You know, yeah, that's who he, he looks like. Marvin no, the Martian. He doesn't look, he yes, doesn't he look like Marvin the Martian. <laughs> so you have to traverse this landscape, which is is mostly this medieval castle type. Fair to climb the seven towers to recover the bells to burn them in the holy fire, and that will open up the gates and drop the force field of the bad guy to go, let you go fight them. The enemies in this game are all over the map. You've got your traditional bats and blobs and 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 puddles, but you also have literal round bl- bouncing blue balls. You've got these. Just pixels that are sprites, skeletons. It's a very diverse crew. And you've got plenty of boss battles and mini-bosses in this game. Some of them are palette swaps. Some of them are just the the same sprite but larger. So that you do have that kind of problem. And you run through the game fighting to get these bells to go up the towers. The question of this game is, why is it so bad? Now, Aaron, <laughs> did you... Did you get to spend any time with this? Oh, I've played this before. So when I go back to it, I was like, it was like getting close to a friend you hate and you and you dropped long ago. Get this out of here. This is the answer to the question. What if the guys that made Marble Madness wanted to play a D&D game? This is what, you, this is what <laughs> it reminds me of. It's like Marble Madness levels and some of the enemies from Marble Madness, the balls, the puddles are here. <laughs> It's like, what in God's name is this? And they even took the good marble and put a, put a torso on him, and he's the hero. It's like a Marble <laughs> Madness Dungeons & Dragons adventure. Very interesting take on it. So the reason why this game is universally hated, uh, this often finds its way on the... It almost always finds its way on the top NES game, worst NES games of all time. And it often finds its way onto worst games of all times list. The reason why is you move slow. You are in an isometric landscape, but all the enemies and, and heroes are 2D. 
so you 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 struggle to to move because you always are running into corners. You move very slowly. You attack very slowly unless you are right up next to an enemy. You throw a sword, and if it misses and it travels off screen, it actually takes seconds, like two or three seconds, before you can attack again. And during that time, you're just left completely vulnerable. Uh, another horrible aspect of this game is when you get hit, you get thrown back several feet. Uh, it's not like a, a small bounce. You get absolutely wrecked. You can also get chained where you'll bounce off of two enemies, or if an enemy catches you in the corner, uh, they will just continuously hit you over and over. Uh, you do have in invincibility frames, but they're fake. Uh, so you are invincible, but only while you're traveling backwards. So if you travel backwards into a wall, you will just get pinned there. So your invincibility frames will run out. You won't be able to move in time, and you'll just get hit against the wall again. Uh, you also start re start off incredibly weak, and the enemies will take sometimes 10 to 20 shots, just a normal enemy, before they'll go down. And they can kill you in one to two hits. While you do have a health meter in this game, uh, it's very small to start out with. All of this compiled together with uh, not the best graphics, but you have to remember this was early NES. It does. I think the graphics aren't what's here to complain about. The sound in this game, the music is oh, actually man. really good. No, no. But it, no. no, 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 no. The music is really good, except uh, every time you change screens, because it, it's sort of a mix between a scroller and a flip screen game. Some of the screens will scroll, but when you get to a door or something, it flip screens over. Every time you go through a flip screen, the music restarts. So you hear the opening four or five measures of the song over and over and over again, which is very grinding. But the music itself, if it just played out and you got to listen to the whole tune, is not that bad. So hypothetically, the music's good, is what you're saying. Because yeah. it's not in the game, it's not. You hear a thousand times yes. in this game. And it does have different music for different layers. And for the boss battles and whatnot. And some of them are very catchy. The other aspect of this game is you do get equipment to become more powerful. Not only by your attacks, but by your defense. You also have the ability to get potions, healing potions. It even goes as far as having like cursed items in the game. Some items will actually make you weaker, if you can believe it. <laughs> Unfortunately, so you've got your seven towers, right? You have to climb up for the bells. There are also 10 dungeons in the game. And all of the dungeons are have hidden entrances. And I don't mean like you push a rock aside and walk in. I'm talking there's a blank space. And if you walk your guy into it, you'll sometimes be in a dungeon. <laughs> the dungeons are made up of 256 rooms. That's 16 rows across and 16 rows down. And they are not mapped which means you get lost incredibly easy. And the worst part of the dungeons is, as with some other places in the game, you will enter a room at sometimes, get hit immediately, get pushed out of the room, but if you have to go that direction, maybe it's the only direction you have without going completely backwards, you'll do it over and over and over. And sometimes you'll be able to sneak by, but most of the times you'll just get hit, go out of the room, and eventually die. 
all this compounds into a really bad game. And I don't mean like Aaron's game where the game is is not a game. Aaron's game wasn't a game. It's unplayable. This game makes you think you can play it, but is so hard and so convoluted with all of its uh, different hidden areas and getting lost and no sense of direction or what to do. It's that kind of bad game. Now, Aaron, I know you've played this in the past, right? Because I own this game, like I said before. Is there anything that you remember distinctly about this game? I remembered all of it. I mean, I came right back to it. And I was like, oh, yeah, this disaster. You know, here we're back again. Listen, this game, the bones of this game could have been something pretty good. But, I mean, and listen, music aside, or the geometry, getting stuck on geometry aside, all that stuff aside, the biggest faux pas in this game is the fact that you can't hurt anything ever. And it takes forever to get anywhere. And yeah. you can, and this stuff, could they not just, this is, I hate games just have random crap shooting out everywhere. Like, is this an exploration game? Is it a shooting game? What is this? Well, what it is is not fun. And it's because they tried to do too many things and they did, They only needed to get one thing right. They could have just had your guy explore all these huge areas, occasionally have some creatures come out, and that would have been fine, and, and give you the ability to hurt them. I think they made a poor choice in the weaponry with the shooting. You know, that's no good. I think yeah. they made a poor choice with the way the characters look. Now, I know a lot of NES games have these cutesy characters, but when you see the cover of this game, it's called Deadly Tower, and I remember firing this thing up and being like, what is this? You know, a kid's game? What is this little geek? And the, ba- and the bad guys are even cute. I hate that. It's one of my pet peeves. If it's going to be a cute game, portray, don't call it Deadly Tower. Call it Happy Tower, Cute Tower. Don't put a big muscular killer on the cover. Put a stud. But well, I don't think they meant it to. Be, I don't think they meant the character to be a cutesy character. Well, he he he's a he looks like a geek, and the sh- shooting the swords is horrible. I hated that. It's okay to shoot swords, but like you said, they fly so slow. It takes forever, and it takes so many hits to beat these guys. It drives me bananas. It is annoying to get caught on the geometry, but I think the game actually looks pretty good. I've never understood the bad side. Of, I don't know why people bad about the look of it. It's not the most colorful game, but I mean the 3D is pretty well done. I think. You know, I, I personally don't have a problem with the graphics either. I think. Uh, I think uh, if you would have spent more time in, in actual game design and made it far less difficult, because there's a lot to explore. I mean, what's the point of having all these dungeons and stuff if you can't get to anything? You know, it's so hard. The now mu- I, I want. Now here's how I'm going to defend this game, Aaron. Yeah. This was never meant for an American audience, a North American or European audience. This was developed by a Japanese company, two Japanese companies, and they developed this for a Japanese audience. The the absolutely 100% hidden entrances, the long, sprawling dungeons that you have to map out, uh, the incredible difficulty, especially in the early days of the NES, these were all pluses, check marks for a Japanese audience. It was one. It's a type of game where you obviously you're not just going to sit down and beat this thing in an hour. And there is a password feature, but you anytime you die, you always go all the way back to the beginning. You brutal. still have that's uh, brutal. You still have your main items, 
you lose all your inventory items like potions and money and stuff like that. But you still have your main items, like how many bells you've destroyed, that kind of stuff. But that makes it brutally hard. Because you have to climb up these towers. And sometimes there's like eight or ten enemies at, on the screen at the same time. Yeah. It, it, in that way, it's really impressive. But the game is brutally hard. And you have to climb up the bell towers and back down the bell towers. Yeah. Uh, there's it. no easy exit. So what you have here is a brutally hard game. All these hidden entrances, right? And secret rooms that you almost have to find to get the armor and weapon and power-ups and stuff to accomplish a task. So you really have to explore. You have to walk in every little nook and cranny, even if it's you know off the beaten path and not the direction you, you want to go. You have to map out those ten dungeons because inside the dungeons are shops, and you have to go to these shops and buy potions and, and upgrades and, and scrolls and stuff like that to complete the game. It has to be done. So this was made for a Japanese audience, and when it came to North America, it wasn't pushed, right? It, it got some marketing, it got some uh, stuff, but it just sat on the shelf like all the other games. Because it was not, it was translated, yes, it did get English translations, but it didn't get any tweaks. And something we know from Super Mario Brothers 2 is Nintendo of America started looking at these games and saying, you know what, that's too hard. We have to dial down the difficulty for the North American audience or, they, or they're going to hate it. So this is what happened, right? That wasn't in place at the time because this came out fairly early. It, it made it onto the score shelves. Now, Aaron, this released the same year as, as some games I think you might be familiar with. All right. Uh, games like Russian Attack, Akari Warriors, Burger Time, Kid Icarus, yeah. Rygar, Elevator Action, Double Dribble, Spy Hunter. These are all NES games. Yeah. Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, Rad Racer, uh, Top Gun, Wizards and Warriors, and Castlevania. In 1987, this was the highest-scaling game in North America. Wow. No kidding. This was the highest-selling game in North America. And because of that... That is mind-blowing. It is in a lot of North American people's minds, right? Yeah. Because a lot, this was a lot of... This was a part of a lot of people's childhood. And for that reason, a lot of people look back at this game and say, this is the worst game I've ever played. And they're probably right, right? Because this is was a part of a lot of people's childhoods. And when you see some of the games around it, Castlevania, uh, Top Gun, those type of games that played better and was more geared towards the North American audience. This was not geared towards the North American audience. And I think that's why it gets more hate than it actually deserves. Do you have any thoughts on that? Well, I can listen this. First of all, this is a better game than a guerrilla war. Okay. Absolutely. This yeah. is yeah, because this is a game. This isn't a two out of ten game. It's I would say more like a five, four, that three and a half, four, and but because there's a game here, it's just not fun. It's also too hard. Okay, and it's got flaws we've talked about before. But listen, if you are looking at a magazine or something back in those in 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 that year, and you see this game and you see the ad. 
you could see how this would appeal to people. I yeah. mean, I think the graphics, I mean, listen, the graphics for that era are real good. I remember seeing this game and thinking to myself, wow, this looks great. Yeah. And, uh, and the, the uh, adventure of it, the towers, the bell, all that crap, that's appealing. It sounds awesome, you know. I'm sure a lot of people were like you were when you got it. I remember you playing this a lot, but I don't remember you thinking, I don't remember you ever saying, man, this is great. I'm having a great time. No. Yeah. Because I, <laughs> I never know, felt so that way. I'm not surprised they sold a lot of these. And I'm also not surprised a lot of people hated it when they got it home. And just just uh, to throw out a, a reference here, because I was completely blown away when I found out that this was a best-selling game. The reference for this is Computer Gaming World issue 50. That is where they they made that claim that it was the best selling. It was designed by the same crew of the best selling Deadly Towers. That's crazy. So it, it's, I think this was made for a Japanese audience, and then it got into a North American hands, and they didn't know what to do with it. I don't think that makes it a bad game necessarily. I just think it was a game tailored for someone else, and uh, North America ate it up. Did this and have any co- sequels or anything? No. Because you'd think if it sold that well, they would have tried to capitalize on it, don't you? Uh, it was really hated. <laughs> and, and and full disclosure, it wasn't renowned in, in Japan either. While it, it was definitely geared towards a Japanese audience, it was not... It wasn't nearly as hated as it is over here, but no one in Japan is like, oh yeah, Deadly Tower is a great game. Or yeah. as it's called over there, a Masho, I believe. So I've got some Discord action on this, but if you're interested. Absolutely. Uh, Pajaka wrote, I am a Deadly Towers noob. I'd never played or heard of this before this week, and my initial impressions were positive. But a couple of minutes in, I can see why it's got it gets a bad rep. It has a lot of annoying glitches and design flaws, like instantly hitting enemies as you enter a new room, and dying baddies leaving unreachable pickups. This has all the hallmarks of a game that would be at home in a landfill. However, I feel like I could sit down and play this for longer, and I didn't actually hate it. So yeah, at some point I will load this up and play it again. 6 out of 10, Brent. 6 out of 10 on that. So you got one. You made one convert, if anything else. <laughs> I'm, I'm assuming this didn't review well back in the day either. Uh, it didn't I, review. Yeah, there are no official scores from the era of this game. And I looked. I looked. Uh, You can buy this game today. You can get a a loose cart for about 10 bucks. You can get the the total package for about 60. Yeah. Um, So I I think it, uh, that's about what things are going for anymore. Yeah, yeah, well. So let's close this thing out, Brent, with a a little post game discussion. I'd be interested. Of these two games, and I and I know you'd played Deadly Towers before. You never played Guerrilla War. Um, would you go Not back the and play Four version? Would you go back and play either one of them again? No. Okay. <laughs> and on that sombre note, let's spin the wheel and get the heck out of here. <laughs> there you go. So, Brent, this week we've added a new piece, new 16-bit games this week, and the yes. retro piece, Game Gear, the Game Gear Brent. So, how do you feel about this? This thing, we got a lot of crazy systems on here this week. Can't be worse than last week, or uh, I guess technically this week. All right, so we're gonna give this thing a whirl. Here we go. Ugh. All right, I'm rooting for something—a system this time around. 
and we got, what do we got here? Holy smokes, the Benetone AY-3-8500 core from Hermski. Now, Brent, what do you know yep. about the Benetone 8500 core, my friend? Nothing. You I know, know this is gonna. This is one of the bad ones. Now, Hermski, I think stewed this off uh, to me a while back, and I think this is gonna be better than you think, believe it or not. Because listen, it's the Benetone AY-3-8500 core. You know it's gold. Listen, we were just talking about how we'd like to get into something different. That is different. That is absolutely different for sure, man. How crazy. So, that's what we'll be leading with next week. We'll get some Benetone action. Right? Any any uh, parting thoughts this week as we're winding down uh, the summer here? It's the end of August as we tape this. Uh, and we know Please that fall cool is coming. Faster. <laughs> Please I'm cool off. with summer. It's been brutally hot here. And yes. with Brent's at work air conditioner being down and my car air conditioner being down, we have both suffered mightily. Absolutely. <laughs> it's been brutal. <laughs> so I'm, hoping, say, I'm with you. I want to say a special thanks again to Air Shack. Uh, unfortunately, due to the weather, I was unable to get you added into the video. But next week, whole new video, so we should be good to go. There you go. So please join us next week when we take a exciting look at Into the Land of the Benetone. Until then, sayonara. Bah! Oh, thanks for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the show. We want to say a special thank you to Duncan Styles for our vector-style graphic and BarkBit for our amazing music. Would you like to help keep ARG spinning for as little as a dollar a month? You can do so at patreon.com slash ARG presents, just like these fine folks. Z9K9, Jerry Dennington, John Dykeman, Retro Algae, James Shackle, Texas Foosballer, Sundown, Oram, Super Tech Boy, Dave Terrence, Mr. B, Roushy, Graham, W, Betke, Dave Velociraptor, Bernhard Lucas, Steve Rathmussen, Anthony Jarvis, Pajaco6502, Kevin Bean, Andy Jones, Andy Craig, Rob Flack, O'Hara, Jason Warns, Mitsuyama, Chris Foles, Frodo NL, The Slow Norris, John Schaller, Gary Heather, oh, Terry Howard, Olaf Hope, and Rolo! Supporters get access to the Discord channel and their names caught out in the credits. Don't want to explain another credit card bill? That's okay too. You can leave us a positive review on Spotify or Apple iTunes. Have an idea for a wheel piece? Send it to us at argpresents at mail.com. We film live every Sunday, 10 a.m. EDT. We hope to see you there.